amen, amen. While you're standing, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We have a, a number of people that are out, uh, many on vacation. Uh, some are out uh, not feeling well. So can we just pray uh, for all of our family and brothers and sisters in the Lord? Jesus, we come right now. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to, to petition you with requests and with thanksgiving. And we pray for these who are sick, that you would touch and heal them. We pray for those who are traveling, that you would give them safety as they return home. Lord, we ask you to bless your congregation according to your holy word. We love you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time, clap your hands and bless the Lord. Praise God. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Uh, before we, uh, we get a couple, just a couple announcements I want to make. Uh, is Alex here tonight? She is. Can you go get her real quick? Need her. Uh, also, while we're getting her, Kimberly, Sister Kimberly and uh, Brother Kennedy, amen, if you would come. These have completed all four levels of elements, and we're so happy and excited uh, for them tonight. Why don't we give them a great big hand as they're coming up here. There's yours, brother, and yours. And hold on, we got to get Alex. She's on her way in. While she's getting them in, let me say, uh, starting next month, we're doing something awesome and special, and that's going to be called electives. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Come on down. You're the next contestant. And the price is right. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give them another round of applause. Okay, thank you guys. Amen. Our, our second round of elements is currently going on. Uh, and it has started tonight. If you're interested, uh, please talk to me or Brother Donnie in the back in the, in the sound booth. Talk with him or his wife over here. Sister Kara, wave your hand. If you're very interested, talk to them. Uh, again, we won't be restarting it until January uh, because it is a, a six-month process. But, but it goes through uh, an in-depth look at relationships and doctrine and various things. And it's really an exciting opportunity for you to just grow in your walk with God. So see one of them if you're interested in starting that in the month of January. Also, this Sunday is the barbecue, pulled pork, sandwiches, amen, after service. So make sure you plan your lunch here. $5, I believe it is. Five bucks. Get you some great food downstairs. Our French church will be joining us. Amen. So if you like your favorite seat, you want to get here early enough to save it. Otherwise, it might be taken because they'll be joining us for service. And then, of course, they'll be uh, eating with us as well after the service. And that also, I believe, it starts our VBS. And so after, there's going to be fun and games for all the kids and big kids and little kids. And, and if you just feel like a kid, amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to have a great time this Sunday kicking off Vacation Bible School and uh, with some great uh, opportunities. So, amen. I, I just want to say to all the staff helping out uh, in preparation, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for your investment in our children. We appreciate that. And I want to put a plug in if you want to give to help uh, fund this event. There is online. It says Vacation Bible School. You can do that. You can write it on your check, on the memo, or on the envelope. If you'd like to help support that, uh, you can go ahead and do that as well. Amen. Praise God. So at this time, we'll go ahead and... Oh, actually, I was going to tell you about electives real quick. Electives. Brother Joseph, wave your hand. Sitting right down here. So we're going to start next month on an off night. It'll be on a Monday night. 
be one hour, six to seven. There will be both in-person opportunity as well as a live stream into a uh, private page on Facebook opportunity. If you would like to be a part of that, it's going to be on apologetics. Talk to Brother Joseph. See about that. See about either getting signed up in the room or, of course, coming. And we're going to start doing this every other month, having some opportunities off, camp, or off nights of our services. If you want to grow in your walk with God, and we're just simply calling them electives. And so I don't know about you, but I like to grow and know more about God. Amen? So we're going to kick that off in August, and thank you, Brother Joseph, for helping us with that. So at this time, all of our children will go ahead and dismiss. Amen. God bless you. And our teens, our students, can also be dismissed. And everybody else, you're in here for the Bible study with me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome all of you online that are joining us. God bless you. Amen. We appreciate our church family that's watching online. Again, some are traveling on vacation, some are with family, some are um, home, and we're praying for you as well, and can't wait to see you. Of course, others that are here, your guests, if you're here as a guest and or online, we welcome you and invite you to, to become more involved. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to turn me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 109, and I'm going to read uh, verses 30 and 31. Praise God. Braxton and Jessica, if you're watching, I'm using it. Hallelujah. It's a special Father's Day gift that my son and daughter-in-love got me. And uh, they had it rebounded in a different kind of leather with my initials on it. And it's got space to write, and they want me to write stuff and one day give it to my grandchild. So... So I'm preaching from it, I'm writing in it, and uh, amen, amen. I just, and I'm believing that's prophetic, that there's a grandchild coming one day. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Psalm 109, verses 30 and 31. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth, yea, I will praise Him among the multitude, for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those that condemn his soul. And from this text and from this psalm, I want to preach tonight, teach, so it's kind of treaching, on this title and thought. The bridge from betrayal to blessing. Amen. The bridge from, from betrayal to blessing. <clears throat> Father, let the living word preach the written word. Cause my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer and write your word on our heart, I pray. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture. Cause every hindrance, Lord, to be rebuked. Let us be convicted and converted as we bring our thoughts captive to you. And we pray all of this in the majestic name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. <coughs> Psalm 109 is the last of what's called the imprecatory psalms. Now, I'm not trying to give big words and, and make you sound like I'm some theologian here, but that's what they're called. They're, they're the imprecations of a psalmist. David is the only one that writes the imprecatory psalms, and Psalm 109 is the last of them. It's also the strongest and most intense of them, some 20, over 20 imprecations in this psalm. Now, the imprecatory psalms are those psalms which call for swift 
and violent judgment upon those who have wronged God's people. They are hard to discern because we're on this side of the New Testament and the, and the cross of Jesus, and we're told to love our enemies and pray for them that persecute us and do good to them that revile us and all of this. So the best way that we can understand the imprecatory psalms is to either understand their historical value and apply what we can from them or, or and or, use them to understand how one day God will in fact punish the wicked for their unrepentant sins. This second purpose should serve as a warning to show us how serious God regards sin. And it should also help us, help every one of us, to seek His grace while there's still time. As best as can be determined from the history, the historical setting is found in 2 Samuel 16 by a man by the name of Shimei, one of David's fiercest adversaries. He was of the house of Saul, probably a cousin or a nephew of Saul. And if you look at the things that are recorded in 2 Samuel 16 and compare them with Psalm 109, the words and works of Shimei are accurately described in both accounts. Now, some may be wondering, hey, wait a minute, I thought we were reading Joshua and all that this month. We are. But the Holy Ghost told me to preach this. So, and By the way, if you want to read about Joshua and all the, all the wiping out they did to the Canaanites, that's imprecatory. So there's your connection. So maybe if you needed that. So I'm just, I love Joshua. I'm reading it right now with you and I'm loving it. But this is what the Holy Ghost wanted me to teach and, and he's the boss. So I'm, I'm going to just, you know, I got to an answer to him. Is that all right? Okay, good. All right. Praise the Lord. When we find ourselves attacked or betrayed, we should pray, be patient, and praise God because God will come through. God will provide. God will fulfill His Word because He is faithful. And so the bridge from betrayal to blessing is built with prayer, patience, and praise. And when you use the right materials, the bridge will be sturdy and give you access to God's blessings. So let's talk about prayer. In verses 1 through 5, David opens this psalm, and he begins to pray, and he starts by saying, O God of my praise. What's interesting to me about how he addresses God there is he's, he's praying, but he's starting with praise. God, you are the God of my praise. In other words, you are the God I do praise, but I also have some requests to bring to you. It's also possible that David might have thought God was silent or being silent to him because as the New Living says, he further said in that verse, where the King James says, hold not thy peace, the NLT says, don't stand silent and aloof. God, please don't be silent to what I'm talking to you about here. 
This is real to me. It's, it's bothering me. I'm coming to you. David's character was being maliciously attacked by the lies and slander of Shimei. And Psalm 109 reveals the toll that this attack had on David. Look at verse 2. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Now listen to verse 4. For my love, they are my adversaries. In other words, he tried to make it right. He tried to be kind. He tried to do what Jesus said, love your enemies. But for his love, they fought against him more without a cause. They became his adversary. But then look what he says here in verse 4. But I give myself unto prayer. In other words, God, I tried working it out with them, and they became my adversaries even more, so I'm giving myself to you in prayer. Verse 5. And they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. So what he tried, he tried to do the right thing. But he got hatred in return and evil in return. The words of his attacker, again, most likely Shimei, are deceitful and hateful and without cause. And even though David attempted to love, it was returned with hatred. And even though he tried to be good, it was returned with evil. And yet notice again, what does he say? But I give myself unto prayer. David could have ordered the death of Shammai. He could have killed him himself. David was a mighty man of war. And by the way, I know, I don't want this to sound like I'm taking anything away from the power of God, but he was skilled at war. He knew how to throw that stone out of a sling. I'm not saying God didn't help guide it to, to you know, Goliath's head. But David could hit a bullseye with it. And it's been proven even in modern society where slings just like that, men are very skilled at hitting bullseyes and, and other targets. And so David was a trained man of war. He knew what it was to wield a sword. He knew what it was to use it. He could have taken Shemai's life himself. He could have defended himself. He could have had somebody else kill Shemai. But instead of taking matters into his own hands, and I can imagine Joab and some of the others who were around him saying, Lord, you know, King, let us go take care of this for you. No, 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 no. He goes to God with it. What a beautiful example. And so prayer has to be the solid foundation of the bridge that we build from betrayal to blessing. If we're going to get from the side of our hurt and our pain and the evil that people are doing to us, we've got to start with prayer. Amen. Now, here's the, the, the issue. We sometimes think we can handle it on our, on our own. We, we think we can deal with it on our own, and that's not the way it should be handled. Neither should it be handled by posting about it all over social media. Amen. We should say, I'm going to the house of God to pray, or I'm going to go to the prayer closet and pray. And if you do want to get another brother or sister involved, get them involved to help you pray. Tell them just enough details about it, but not in a complaining or gossiping spirit, more in a spirit of saying, hey, this is the issue. Now, I need some help. Can you help me pray? I want to build a bridge from betrayal to blessing, and it starts with 
prayer. And just like David said, I give myself to prayer. By the way, here's another connection to the book of Joshua. When they succeeded at Jericho, the reason they did was because they had prayed. They had got a word from God. But they didn't know there was sin in the camp. And in their arrogance of, well, if we did it with the whole army at Jericho, let's only send 3,000 to Ai. And I think in part due to the sin that was in the, in the camp with Achan and in part due to the fact that they were proudful, God said, well, you ain't going to win this one. David understood this. There had been times he had taken matters in his own hands. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it this time. I give myself to prayer. The second thing is patience. In verses 6 through 25, and for sake of time, I'm not going to read all of them. We'll, we'll kind of look at them as we, as we go through this portion. Obviously, we know prayer is the sure foundation for the, for the bridge. It's the solid foundation. Well, then patience is the frame. It's, it's the planks. It's the, the handrails. It's, it's everything that causes us to stay on that bridge as we cross it. And David's commitment to prayer seamlessly segues into the imprecations that he patiently requests from God upon his enemies. Now again, these are the parts of the New Testament, or excuse me, the Old Testament, that we have a hard time understanding. We're supposed to bless those that persecute us and love our enemies and so forth. And so when we read some of these, we're like, whoa, he's like real serious here. <laughs> and he is. Amen. Let me say this. It's okay to pray like David even in the New Testament. By the way, if you're thinking it, God already knows it. You might as well say it. Can I tell you that I think God just wants us to be honest? I think so many times we make prayer out to be this thing that it's not. God just wants you to be honest. God wants to hear your heart. And so David is pouring his heart out, but he's, he's revealing a sense of patience. God, I want you to do this, but I'm waiting on you. I'm telling you how I feel about this, but I'm trusting you. That's what patience really boils down to be, uh, uh, mean. The second thing we can learn from these imprecatory psalms is that if one does not repent, then the things listed in verses 6 through 25 will indeed happen to the wicked. And that should cause us to pray for their salvation rather than their damnation. Hmm. Thirdly, imprecatory psalms point to the second coming of Jesus Christ. When the earth will melt like wax at the fiery wrath of God. Listen to what 2 Thessalonians, 7, uh, sec, uh, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-10 says. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. David here in these imprecations is pleading his case to the righteous judge as if he's standing in his courtroom. In verse 6 he says, let Satan stand at his right hand. He's talking about his accuser. 
Shemai. Let Satan stand at his right hand. In other words, what that means is he's saying, God, I want Satan to be the prosecuting attorney of Shemai. Wow. Verse 7, he says, let his prayer become sin. David wants Shemai's appeals to the righteous judge to fail. He wants every time Shemai objects for the judge to say, overruled, overruled, overruled. He wants the harshest punishment for him. Verse 8, let his days be few. He's asking God to kill Shemai in his youth. And youth here doesn't mean like a child. It means in his prime. He's, he's probably, you know, probably 30, 35, 40 years old. He's saying, God, take him now. Verse 9, let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. He doesn't just want Shemai to suffer the death and the punishment. He wants his family to suffer. Wow. Can you sense the vengeance coming out of David's prayer? Verse 10, let his children be continually vagabonds and beg. He wants the harshest of punishments upon Shemai's family. Verse 11, let the extortioner catch all that he hath. What he's saying here is he wants his credit to be ruined and his entire estate taken from him. Wow. Difficult, isn't it? I recommend... If you get a chance to read these, take a look deeper into them. I'm going to read them to you, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Verse 6 says, They say, get an evil person to turn against him. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case comes up for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Verse 8, let his years be few, let someone else take his position. May his children become fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander as beggars and be driven from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he has earned. Verse 12, let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. Verse 13, may all his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out in the next generation. Verse 14, may the Lord never forget the sin of, sins of his fathers. May his mother's sins never be erased from the record. In other words, God, I don't want him to go to heaven. I want his name blotted out. Verse 15, uh, may the Lord remember these sins and may his name disappear from human memory. For he refused all kindness to others. He persecuted the poor and needy, and he hounded the brokenhearted to death. He loved to curse others. Now you curse him. He never blessed others. Now don't you bless him. Do you hear how vengeful these imprecations are? Verse 18, cursing is as natural to him as his clothing or the water he drinks or the food he eats. Now may his curses return and cling to him like clothing. May they be tied around him like a belt. May those curses become the Lord's punishment for my accusers who speak evil of me. But deal with me, deal well with me, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your own reputation. Rescue me because you are so faithful and good. For I am poor and needy and my heart is full of pain. I am fading like a shadow of dusk. I am brushed off like a locust. My knees are weak from fasting, and I am skin and bones. I am a joke to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. 
Do you can see what David is praying here in the depth of what he is saying? And what does this all have to do with patience, you say? Well, you see, David took these imprecations to God in prayer. And the only reason we know about them is because God said, I want you to write them in my holy word. I want them uh, uh, there for posterity's sake. But ultimately, in his mercy, I don't believe David really wanted this kind of death and destruction for his enemies. David admits that he's speaking from a heart that is full of pain. The King James says it this way, my heart is wounded within me. I don't want anybody to raise your hand, please, but I know every one of you could. How many times have we spoke about someone or even to someone from a place of hurt and pain? You've heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. Well, did you know that healed people heal people? And forgiven people forgive people. So it works both ways. It's just a matter of what you're doing with those imprecations. And if you're building your bridge in prayer and you're framing it with the patience of trusting in God, you'll cross it and go from a place of betrayal to a place of blessing. See, David here is speaking from his emotional system that limbic system of his brain. He's not really thinking. He's not using the frontal cortex. He's, he's not really applying you know, logic and thought to this. He's speaking from a place of pain. Therefore, he realizes that his words are irrational. <laughs> ultimately, David is writing and praying this, and ultimately he's admitting that he'll be patient and wait on God because he says, but do thou for me, O God the Lord, for thy name's sake, because thy mercy is good, deliver thou me. So if praise, or excuse me, if prayer is the foundation and the, and, the, and the security of that bridge and patience is its planks and its, its uh, slats and, and the handrails and all to be safe as you cross it, then praise is the finished product. It's cutting the ribbon. It's, it's taking the first trek across it and walking across it to the other side. Verse 26, he begins. He says, help me, O Lord my God. O save me according to thy mercy, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. Let them curse, but bless thou. When they arise, let them be ashamed, but let thy servant rejoice. Let mine adversaries be clothed with shame and let them cover themselves with their own confusion as with a mantle. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those that condemn his soul. You see, prayer is the foundation that he has built. And patience has, has put the, the slats on. But now he's cut the ribbon. And now he's crossing this bridge and ending this psalm with praise to God. The, the New Living Translation 
uh, translates verse number 28 to say, let them curse you if they like, but you will bless me. When they attack me, they will be disgraced, but I, your servant, will go on rejoicing. In other words, God, I'm tired of listening to what they have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Also in verse 30, the New Living Translation, but I will give repeated thanks to the Lord, praising Him to everyone. Hallelujah. Prayer was His foundation. Patience was His frame. And now that the bridge is complete from betrayal to blessing, His praise is the finished product. You see, but David didn't just want to praise God for himself or by himself. Verse 30 again, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. I will praise him among the multitude. David determined that others were going to hear just how awesome God was. He wasn't just going to keep it to himself. He wasn't going to just keep it in and write it in a journal and never share it. He, I believe he realized when God moved upon him to write it that it would one day become a part of the holy word of God. Hallelujah. Now whether or not David realized that, in psalm, that his psalm would one day be preached in 2021, I don't know. But I do know this. He was going to tell as many people as he could. He was going to praise God to the multitude. In other words, he was going to praise God for the victory. Now, if you look at the story of Shammai, there, there's really no ending to it uh, with, as far as David is concerned. In fact, they want to kill him, but he says, you know, know what, I'm going to spare him. So I believe whatever had happened around that time frame, David's saying, you know what, God's merciful to me, I'm going to extend that mercy. You know, when we begin to think about how merciful God is to us, it becomes that much easier to extend mercy to someone else. And I believe David had an epiphany like that where he realized, you know, God could have killed me when I messed up with Bathsheba. God could have taken my life when I messed up with Uriah. You know, this guy's ranting and raving, but I tell you what, I'm going to be merciful. <laughs> Let him live. Let God deal with him. Thank you, Jesus. David prayed privately, but praised publicly. And the reason he could praise publicly was because God stood at his right hand. The final verse. For he, God, shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those that condemn his soul. Can I tell you, I believe David, when he got to that verse, realized, you know what? I don't need to defend myself. God defends me. And can I tell somebody here tonight, stop defending yourself. Let the Lord defend you. He does a much better job of it anyway. <laughs> well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, I feel the Holy Spirit saying uh, to me and to this congregation tonight that He stands by you and will deliver you from whatever is troubling you. I believe we can take this psalm and say, you know what? If it worked for David, it can work for me. It might be an assault from a coworker. It might be an attack in your mind from the enemy. It might be a loved one that's got under your skin. 
But if you'll build the bridge with prayer, if you'll build the bridge with patience, you'll dance across it in praise. Hallelujah. Well, you know, <laughs> I'll let him tell you the whole story. But Brother Terry's got a testimony of this very thing. Where something got under his skin, but he went to God in prayer about it. We were standing here on Monday night, men of war prayer. And he shared with us a little bit of it. And I, I listened to him and mess, you know, uh, ministered to him. Some others did as well. Brother Jeff was here and ministered. We stepped in, and he looked at the clock, and it was 721. And at that exact time, even though he didn't realize at that moment, the situation was being resolved. God gave him a prophetic word. And, and, and what seemed like betrayal and, and difficulty and problem on, on you know, Sunday and Monday, by Monday night, it turned into blessing because a bridge had been built in prayer and patience, and he could praise across it. Hallelujah. And so I'm telling you that setting in this very congregation is one who's lived Psalm 109 in the last 48 hours. But here's the but. If you do not build and you do not walk across the bridge, the betrayal will fester and give way to the root of bitterness, which will spring up within you. And watch this. It won't just defile you but many. Now, hold that thought. Remember, David's going to praise to the multitude, right? In other words, everybody's going to hear how good God was to him, how God delivered him, how awesome God is, right? But did you know also, it may not be a multitude, but it does say many. Listen to what Hebrews says. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be... I don't know how many is. I don't know if it's 10. I don't know if it's 50. I don't know if it's relative to, you know, if, if, if I'm one and, and there's 15 with me that they are, I don't know. I don't know if it's relative to how big your family is, but many is a more than few. I'd rather praise God to the multitude than to let bitterness fester and defile many. And some think, well, my bitterness is only going to affect me. It's only going to impact me. No, it's not. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It will have an adverse effect on you, and it will also have an adverse effect on those around you. Oh, by the way, from Hebrews um, 12 and 14, follow peace with all men and holiness. So that peace and holiness. Well, we understand what holiness is. Peace. Think about it. Peace. God tells us to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you know the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? I'll tell you. It's a good question. Uh, a, a peacemaker addresses conflict and deals with it. A peacekeeper avoids conflict. That's not the right way to deal with it. Because peace is not the absence of chaos. It's the tranquility of your spirit in the midst of chaos. And by the way, with the armor of God, where our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Isn't it interesting that part of our armor includes peace? Part of our warfare includes 
peace. Well, that shouldn't surprise us because the God of peace crushes Satan under our feet. <laughs> our feet which have on peace. I don't know about you, but I get peace about crushing Satan's head. Feels pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gives me peace every time. Get down under there, you cockroach. <laughs> Hallelujah. But also, I bring peace. So I want to follow peace with all men and holiness. Watch this. Without which no man shall see the Lord. If you don't have peace and holiness, you won't see the Lord. But watch this. If you don't have peace and holiness and you're not pursuing it, that's what follow means with all, they won't see the Lord either. Are we not supposed to share Jesus with our neighbors, coworkers, friends, family, etc.? You've heard the phrase, you may be the only Bible some people ever read. That's true. Well, I want to pursue peace and holiness so that when they see me, they see Jesus. Because without it, no man shall. How are they going to see the Lord if I'm not? Is that making sense? I'm not trying to get too far off track here, but I feel like this is where the Holy Ghost is leading us, so we're just going to ride this train for a minute. I, I tell married couples all the time, the husband, what does Paul say? Love your wives as Christ. Love the church. In other words, the husband is the Christ figure in the marriage. And the woman is to submit unto the husband as the church is unto the Lord. The, the wife is the church figure. Guess where your children and guess where your neighbors and guess where your family are first going to see Christ and the church. It won't be in the building. It won't be in the Sunday school. It won't be in the teen class. It won't be in elements. It'll be in your home. And without peace and holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I want people to see the Lord when they see me. So I'm going to build the bridge from betrayal to blessing. I'm going to do what my master and Lord did and forgive the betrayers and the deniers and the doubters and those that ran away scared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The reason I titled this tonight, The Bridge from Betrayal to Blessing, is because Peter and the apostles quoted Psalm 109, verse 8, as their basis for their vote to replace Judas. You can read it in the book of Acts, chapter 1. They felt like, after Jesus had ascended and they're tarrying in Jerusalem, I don't know if it was two days in or three days in or what, but Peter gets up and says, hey... Um, Psalm 109 says, you know, this and that. Let's, let's replace Judas. Let, let him, you know, be done and another take his place. On that, by the way, it's my personal opinion that Matthias was not Jesus' choice for a replacement. And the reason I say there might have needed to be a replacement is because we do know in the book of Revelation that there are 12 foundations and, and 12 uh, doors and all this, and the, and the apostles are part of that. Uh, their names are there. And I don't believe it'll be Matthias. That's just Myron's personal opinion. So in Myron's commentary, that's what's going How about your uh, redneck commentary? Is that what it's going to say too? So you agree with that? I agree it's Paul. So you have two commentators here that agree that it's Paul. So there you go. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, I know Brother Chris, you agree with that. So there's three, praise the Lord. I believe it was Paul. I believe Paul was God's choice. But let me tell you further why. I believe that. First, the casting of lots was a man-made way, man way of appointing someone. 
I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying we, you know, we have elections today. I'm, I'm an elected official of the Nebraska district. That's, you know, that's casting lots. But I'm not saying it's wrong or sinful or unbiblical. It's just that's not necessarily God's way. In fact, I can further prove it to you with that election because I didn't want to become superintendent. But the, the, the year before or the, the month before, I had a prophet sit in my living room and point his finger and he says, if man doesn't get in the way, you'll be the next superintendent. I'm like, no, 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 no. Take that prophecy back right now. Please. Amen. But notice how the prophecy went if man doesn't get in the way. Why? Because it's casting of lots and man can get in the way. Secondly, they didn't yet have the Holy Spirit as it had not yet been poured out. So they're still operating as best they know how. So I don't, I don't condemn them for doing it. It's there in the Bible for a reason. And thirdly, they would later allow the Holy Spirit to lead them in their choices. Read Acts 13 too. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein to have called them. Also in Acts 15, 28, when they're debating about, uh, you know, whether the Gentiles should be circumcised. It says, It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So again, two different occasions where they're led by the Holy Spirit as to a decision, as to a vote. And fourthly, we never hear mention of Matthias again. Now, to be fair, we never hear of Thaddeus or Andrew or Thomas either. However, I conclude that if that God allowed it to be recorded for posterity. And I believe the lesson is that we should not take a single verse out of context and use it to enact man-made appointment or rules, which is what I think Peter did. The reason I bring that up is this. Psalm 109 verse 8 says, Let his days be few and let another take his office. I have seen people post that when a politician they don't like is running. And I don't think it's funny. And I'm going to tell you why. First of all, it's a misuse and a misappropriation of Scripture. Now, I'm not trying to get pastoral here tonight and be mean and crude, so just, you know, bear with me. Secondly, even if that politician is anti-God, anti-Bible, and the cousin of the Antichrist. I think we should do what Jesus says to do and pray for them. Thirdly, I don't define myself by a political party or a cultural ethnicity. I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'll exercise my right to vote and I thank God for it. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to quote Psalm 109.8 if my person doesn't get elected. Because in the context, I'm also praying that they're, they become, you know, they die and, and that their family is left destitute. And I don't know that that's really what we want to pray. Well, okay, that was for free. I've also titled this The Bridge from Betrayal to Blessing because I believe in some way David hoped that his enemies might also leave behind their sinful, betraying and bitter ways and walk across the bridge with him. So when it comes to our enemies, how about this? How about instead of burning bridges, 
how about we build the sturdiest and safest of bridges that not only we can cross, but hopefully they will cross as well. You know, many scholars believe that the Christians were first called, or, or the church was first called Christian in Antioch because that was where they first forgave Paul of his persecution against them. Christ-like Christian. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like when Paul and Stephen reunite? Paul's holding the garments of those stoning. He's smiling as it's happening. He's thinking that the law is being fulfilled. Bless God, Stephen is being killed. And even though he may have not thrown a stone, he certainly was an accessory to that murder. But in my imagination, I can see Paul and Stephen coming together saying, thank you. Paul saying to him, thank you for asking God not to charge my sin against me. You forgave me when I didn't deserve it and even when I didn't ask for it. Thank you for building a bridge instead of burning one. So the bridge from betrayal to blessing can still be built with prayer and with patience. And if you do so, you can walk across it with praise. Hallelujah. So on that note, I wonder if we could stand. And I wonder if we could pray tonight. Every one of us have received forgiveness from God. Now, I don't know if there's anyone here tonight in particular or online that you need to forgive somebody else. But we're going to pray that just together as a collective group. And if you're there and you need to forgive somebody, if there is an issue that you need, I'm going to ask you. You can mutter it under your breath. You don't have to blurt it out loud. You don't ask you to come up here and take the mic and confess anything. I'm just saying, would you do what Jesus did when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Would you do what Stephen did when he prayed and said, let not this sin to their charge? Let's pray together. Jesus, search our hearts. Search our minds. See if there be any wicked way within us. And if so, remove it. Help us to build bridges instead of burn them. Help us, O oh God, to forgive others as we have been forgiven of much. And Lord, if there is an issue or a person or a thing we need to bring to the forefront, reveal it to our hearts and minds right now that we can pray for that person and in this prayer forgive them. And when the time is right, meet with them and speak that forgiveness to them. Lord Jesus, we want to be more like you. And you forgave. You forgave me. You forgave us. You forgave Peter for denying and Thomas for doubting. You forgave the disciples for running in fear. Lord, I know that all of us here tonight have been forgiven of much and help us to forgive others of much and build these bridges. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forgiveness, it does free the guilty party from what they have done. But do you know, 
it really is for, is for you as well. Because when you forgive, you release. And when you release, how much easier is it to walk through life not having to carry that burden around? It's, it's easier said than done. I, I recognize that. It really is. But strive to build a bridge. Now burn it. Don't burn it. Build it. Amen. God bless you. We've got a couple of minutes here. I know the elements will, will need the full hour, but we've only got three minutes left. But, and our praise team is going to be practicing. But God bless you. Hope to see you Sunday. Amen. And we'll have a good week.